This is the fourth Sunday of Easter, also called Good Shepherd Sunday, as you may have picked up from the Collect and the Gospel reading. Throughout the Easter season, our first readings are taken from Acts, although skipping around, not in any order. The second lessons are from the First Epistle General of St. John, and the Gospel lessons are from the Gospel according to St. John. Today's readings follow that pattern. As we go through them, notice that they point to a common theme, salvation. I think it's important to point out that throughout the Epiphany season, our gospel lessons each week portrayed an event that manifested the Christ to the world. In the Easter season, The apostles carry on the ministry of revealing the power of the crucified and risen Lord to the people, and they eat it up. These readings from Acts come from the time after Jesus has ascended to heaven, even though we don't commemorate that event in our calendar for a couple more weeks. The first reading from Acts picks up in the middle of a pericope. Prior to our reading, Peter and John have encountered a lame man in the temple. The man is unable to walk and is sitting in the gate of the temple begging for alms. He begs of Peter and John. Peter responds with the famous line, quote, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, close quote. And of course, the man gets up immediately and walks. This incident was apparently witnessed by a large group of people, about 5,000. Peter takes the opportunity to preach to them of Jesus and how he was crucified at the hands of the temple authorities and how he was raised and how the healing they have just witnessed is brought about by faith in him. Well, as you might imagine, the temple authorities are less than amused by this spectacle taking place in their house, and they arrest Peter and John. Our reading this morning picks up with the temple authorities interrogating them the next day. In the days following his great entry into Jerusalem, which we call Palm Sunday, amongst other sayings, Jesus says this to his disciples, quote, But take heed to yourselves, for they will deliver you to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them, close quote. And lo, In our reading this morning, these words come to pass. Not only that, but Peter and John are hauled before the same council that but a short time before had tried Jesus and sentenced him to death. Knowing all that, Peter bravely proclaims to the chief priests and the scribes the core belief of Christianity that Jesus died at their hands and was raised by God and that salvation comes through him alone. 
and that the healing just accomplished was by his power. Notice how Peter has developed from a simple fisherman whose world was really very small, just two boats on a small inland sea, to a friend and then a close confidant of the master, to proclaiming that he is the Christ, to denying him three times on the night of the Passion and weeping bitterly at his own weakness. And here, he rises to previously unimaginable heights, preaching powerfully and convincingly to the crowds in the temple who have witnessed the healing. And then, preaching yet more boldly to the very heart of power in the Jewish nation. He tells them that they are plainly wrong. And he does this in a way that shames them for all time. Peter also breaks new ground. He argues that not only does Jesus live, and the present tense is important here because, recall, these events take place after the ascension. Not only does Jesus live, but only Jesus saves. He asserts that Jesus has an exclusive, an absolute position as the Savior of the world. Father Brewer has already explicated in some detail just what salvation means, and I would refer you back to his words. At this point, our reading ends, but the story continues. The chief priests put Peter and John out of their meeting and go into executive session. They discuss what they are to do and are stymied by the undeniable fact that standing in their midst for all to see is the lame man who was healed by Peter and John and that this same man has been seen by thousands of the faithful. They are in a tough spot. So realizing that they cannot come up with any charges that will stick, they decide to try to unring the bell. They charged Peter and John that they were not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Good luck with that one. Peter boldly tells them so to their face, yet the authorities release him and John. Do please note how, by the power of the Holy Spirit, simple Peter has faced down the highest power in Judaism in its own house, and they have only admonished him not to do that again, and then let him and John walk free. Remarkable. He has proclaimed to them the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ, and they are blind to it. I feel so sorry for those who cannot see that God is doing great things. Moving on now to the readings from the first letter of St. John and the Gospel of St. John, notice something interesting. It is widely believed by scholars that since the three letters of St. John and the Gospel of St. John share a common vocabulary, a common literary style, 
and common theological ideas that they came from the same pen. Compare these lines. From the letter of John, quote, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, close quote. And from the Gospel of John, quote, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, close quote. Don't you think the similarity is uncanny? Thus, the reading from the letter of John leads into the reading from the Gospel of John, the Good Shepherd. Again, as in the reading from Acts, we have only the second half of the pericope. Prior to our reading, Jesus has told a parable about a shepherd caring for his own sheep and contrasting him to other shepherds who are hirelings. The good shepherd protects the sheep while the hireling runs away when confronted by wolves who come to kill and destroy. In our reading, Jesus is explaining how that parable illustrates his relationship to us, his sheep. This image of the Lord as shepherd is found several times in the Old Testament. Uh, as you may have noticed, for example, in our psalm this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's pretty clear that Jesus saying he lays down his life for the sheep is a prediction of the passion. But note the contempt he has for the hireling. The hireling will do some things for the sheep, but he will not put himself at risk for them. Faced with danger, he will run away and leave the sheep to their fate. But the good shepherd puts himself between the sheep and the threat. Evil and death can get at the sheep only by going directly over the dead body of the shepherd. If it be necessary, the good shepherd will die for his sheep. And that is exactly what Christ did for us. And not only that, he knows each sheep by sight and can pick it out immediately should it be lost in a greater flock somehow. He says with confidence, quote, I know my own, close quote. He goes on to say, quote, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Close quote. This saying presages the controversies that royal the church as we see it in Acts. A church that is torn between demanding an exclusively Jewish Christianity and a church that throws open its arms to welcome those outside Judaism, outside the law, the Gentiles. As Jesus here predicts, those who would welcome the Gentiles into the church prevailed. As witness, I dare say, look at most of us. We are not under the law, but we are just as much a part of Christ's flock, and he knows us each by name. Jesus goes on to say, quote, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my father, close quote. These words are a fine example of the awesome majesty of Jesus Christ. The rest of us, even at our best, all too often fumble and fail and blunder. But he is so supremely sure of himself, marching to Jerusalem, to Calvary, it is inconceivable that he should fail. He is so completely the master of the events. He laid down his life of his own free will on the cross and three days later took it up again. And thereby he brought us salvation. Beyond being Good Shepherd Sunday, there is a theme that runs through all the readings this morning, salvation. In Acts, Peter concludes his defense with these words, quote, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved, close quote. The story of the Good Shepherd is all about the Good Shepherd laying down his life for his sheep to bring them, us, salvation. You know, every time I say the healing mass on Wednesday morning, I say these words. See if you don't think they point to the Good Shepherd. Quote, The Almighty Lord, who is a strong tower to all who put their trust in him, to whom all things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth bow and obey, be now and evermore your sure defense, and make you know and feel that the only name under heaven given for health and salvation is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Close quote. You can find those words on page 456 of the prayer book. So remember Christ the Good Shepherd, and remember that he leads us all to our heavenly home under his protection. And remember that only in him can we find our salvation. Amen.